when power banks were in fashion. Remember power bank? Huh? It was become an in thing to have power bank. Especially all the ladies' handbag, they will have a power bank. You know, the handphone batteries were not as good during that time. And so for those models where your batteries cannot be detached, you need to carry a power bank to plug into your smartphone to have extended use. And uh, that it will be very strange to carry a smartphone and at the same time connected to a power bank. But that was how it used to be. Okay? Uh, it was a bit odd. Okay? So to me, this is not as smart a handphone as it is to have a smartphone with a power bank. All right. But then that was the fashion then. That was the in thing. It was so odd to have it. But then, it's just nice to have carry extra. And I saw some of these youngsters, they really uh, uh, look so proud to have a handphone with a power bank attached to it. Okay? Uh, you know, uh, because of the in crowd and the in thing, I went online and I bought a few power banks myself. If I remember well, I bought as many as five in one go, you know. And I have this, uh, uh, still have it with me, this Xiaomi power bank. Huh? Xiaomi power bank, 10,400 milliamps. Yeah. And I bought, I think if I'm not wrong, I bought five of them. Okay. When they arrive, it looks, it looks very genuine, looks very nice. Uh, actually, you, it, it's, uh, you even have the, the sticker there. Huh? It looks good, okay? but after a few users, the capacitor, the capacity lowers. Okay? Uh, they used to, when you first use it, you charge it, you can use it maybe for the whole day. You can possibly charge even the laptop. But after that, uh, the, the capacity eh, of the usage begins to drop and it is not as it was before. Now, it was not a fake, but it is not as just as it was described in the online sales, all right? Uh, on the outside, they look genuine, look, actually look genuine, look good also, look nice looking, but it's very light. That's the difference. It looks good, but it's very light inside. And uh, uh, I was a bit disappointed. Most of the time when we buy things online, uh, there are very few descriptions about the product. Very few descriptions. Uh, and uh, we, we can only uh, review, uh, we can only judge based on the review that people write. If nobody writes, then uh, you really do not know what is it about. Okay? So, and some of the reviews are not really helpful. And once purchased, there's very little that we can do unless we want to go through the hassle of, uh, of returning it and we want to uh, ask for a refund or even some uh, give you credits and you want to go through that, that you can go ahead, but then actually after a purchase, uh, it is just as it. You have to live with it. And what has been seen on the advertisement and on the outside okay, may not be what it claimed to be. Uh, they sell their products with lots of uh, pictures, nice pictures sometimes, and uh, fantastic description about their product. And sometimes they steal pictures from one another and put it on the, on the page. All right, and the outside may not be what is inside. The outside may not be what is inside. 
And so we continue to preach on renewal in this last quarter. Okay, so we are coming to the end of the quarter. We continue to preach on renewal. And our past year's lockdown, our experience has been that uh, as we reflect on it, it becomes very important and very personal to us with our walk with the Lord, especially as believers in Christ. We have suddenly become okay, self-dependent on our own spiritual needs. We become self-dependent. Church program were fewer. And so we have to adapt even to the new way of church. Our customary uh, corporate worship is not possible. And thank God that it is being relaxed. Now we should be able to. Our home worship were not as uh, satisfying and uh, lacking in edification many times. Uh, we just feel very odd to worship at home, to worship loudly, or even to stand up at our home to worship the Lord or even lift up our hands. Our dependence on corporate church activities were not there. And so, we felt uncertain about the future. We have taken out from our comfort zone and the ways of our usual church, how we do church usually. And I often experienced myself and even heard about the quietness or the silentness or the unanswered prayers from, from our prayers, especially, especially when we pray on the subject of national issues. Our God is still working in us and we thank God. We heard many testimonies. God is alive. God is doing great things among us. And we hear all this on a personal level. But especially when we pray on things on the national level, on, on, about the nation, uh, very little seems to be happening. And we can be a bit uh, anxious. And uh, we have been praying, praying and praying. And we have been called to prayer. And even this time of coming towards the uh, beginning of April, where we have Good Friday and Easter, we have been also being encouraged to pray as well. We understand now the importance of discipleship. Very important. The importance of discipleship, the necessity of self-feeding and self-growth. We need to feed ourselves and we need to grow ourselves where we are not having the usual things that we can depend on. This morning, I want to preach on what is real renewal. What is real renewal and how God would have it? What is real renewal and how God would have it? And I want to unmask the traditional trappings of doing to being from doing to being, so that we will please God and He will experience Him closer by our side. And the, message, and the title of my message is Real Revival. And uh, very interestingly, I want to preach from Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Okay? And I read through some version and I find this version very interesting. And I want to read from you from the New Living Translation. Isaiah chapter 58. Okay, follow along as I read from verse 1 to verse 14, the whole of the chapter. Okay, Isaiah chapter 58 says here, Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. 
They come to the Trump temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous man, righteous nation, sorry, that would never abandon the laws of his God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to bear to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your hearts like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in bulabs and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from your relative who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as rebuilders of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promise you to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken.
Now, this version is very interesting. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. Its language is very apt and very uh, contemporary and very to the point. And I just like this rather than the NIV. Let us pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you we can look into your words and how you discourse with these people, this group of people that are fasting, that are calling on your name, and at the same time, they complain that you did not answer them, that you did not notice them. And there's something that is not right in this experience. And I pray that, Lord, that even as we look into this whole chapter, grant us open mind, open hearts, that we may understand you and know you, so that, Lord, that we will be able to really do the right thing and really renew ourselves, really understand the importance of renewal so that, Lord, that we will not follow after these footsteps, but we will really experience you as God who answers prayer, who are close by to us, who cares for every area of our life. So we commit ourselves to you. Speak to us that we are here, that we have allocated this time to hear from you. Bless everyone, Lord, that hear these words, that we may be encouraged. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is Isaiah chapter 58. And in this chapter, Yahweh calls the prophet to address the problems of false religious observance. You know, it seems that, uh, that this has to do with two religious observance, two religious disciplines. Okay? One of it is fasting. And this whole uh, fasting uh, 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 part has taken quite a lot of this. It started from verse 3 until verse 12. And, uh, and uh, a whole big portion of it is uh, addressing the issue of fasting and on the discipline of Sabbath observance on verse uh, 13 to 14. So look like this whole chapter uh, majors on these two areas of uh, fasting and observing the Sabbath. And these are only the manifesting problem rather than the root problem. Okay? Renewal starts from the practice of prayer and fasting. Now, this is uh, the starting point of it. Okay? These disciplines are open up. Actually, these disciplines, when you do it, it opens up the spiritual man and brings... Uh, and the things of God and bring us to a connection with the spiritual. And this, are, this is how people's practice of fasting and the observance of Sabbath uh, related to the spiritual renewal of their days. Now the root problem was people observe spiritual things, spiritual discipline, okay, for selfish reasons, for their own reasons. Why? Because they want to gain blessings from the Lord while ignoring something that is more important and more, more, more difficult to address, and that is more uh, demanding of them, okay? The duty to elevate hunger. Now, during that day, there were hungry people. There were poor people as well. And there were homeless people. And there are people that are without clothes, lacking in covering. And you know that there are cold weather, and they need clothes and those that are in need. 
the root solution, the root solution is the true devotion to God. Their manifesting problem or their complaint is that God was quiet. They say that <clears throat> uh, they say that the God didn't hear them. They observed Sabbath, but the Sabbath was not ready what they expected it to be. So we want to look at these issues that they are going through in order that we may understand what God is trying to tell them. And sometimes we can be also doing the same things ourselves. Okay? Yeah. They are doing it to obligate God. Have you done that before? Have you talked about that before? Let me go on. Then we can understand a little bit more that times that we obligate God. Okay? And of course, God cannot be obligated. God cannot be manipulated. And God does not really, really, really cares for what we try to twist His arm about. And if we love God, we will also love those whom God loves. And those are our neighbors. You know, there's a very uh, clever man. I would say there's a very clever uh, Bible call that he's the expert of the law. He come to test Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Huh? A parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay? He come and ask God how to get eternal life. And, God, and, and, and Jesus asked him, what does you read? What does you know about it? So he gave him the very good answer to love God and to love our neighbor. And Jesus said, yeah, you got it right. Go ahead and do it. You got it right. Do it then. But again, the guy wanted to justify himself. He wanted to kind of define who are my neighbors. Is it just the one living just two doors from my left, two doors from my right? Or the one living in front of my house is not counted? The one living behind my house is not counted? So he tried to justify and trying to find a description or a definition of neighbor. And so Jesus gave him the parable of the Good Samaritan. So it was not left or right, front or back. Jesus thought the Good Samaritan is somebody who is in need, whoever it might be. The love for God and neighbor will be manifested by taking concrete steps, very small or very big concrete steps for those in need. Those who are hungry, those who are poor, those who are homeless, those who are naked, those who are in need, in whatever need. And our worship of God is manifested through our mercy and our compassion for all these people, for all humankind. It starts from the inside before it goes out. It starts from the inside before it goes out. The inside should be the same as the outside. And what is the real renewal and how would God would have it? And first of all, it is to stay away from false worship. To stay away from false worship. Now, there are many legitimate ways we practice our faith. 
Okay? But legitimacy does not override devotion to God. Okay? Sometimes we can find very clever excuses to do, not to do the, the right things. But we will find very clever excuses and we will go and act on the indirect things. Many times we can take things for granted and fall into the motion and not the real essence of worship. Okay? And I think that we have preached a lot about worship and most of us would understand what is worship. And we tend to carry out things we find convenient to do. So in this scriptural reading, our recording here, the people even practice spiritual things of going to the temple. Okay, We read in the NLT, they go to the temple, they go to about, wow, they go to the temple means at any time that they come to church, huh? okay, to learn about God. That means they go to and attend SDG classes. They seem to be steadfast in the laws of God. Wow, they seem to be able, uh, wanting to learn more. Okay, go for night classes, all right? And ask God to act on their behalf. Well, nothing wrong about that, right? And pretending to be near God. Fasting and practice humility. Fasting and practice humility. During those days, uh, when the people want to humble themselves, they really wear put on sackcloth and they put ashes on themselves, especially on their head. These are also some of the things we do today, but in a new way, in a new sense. But God was not impressed because they were not done by the people who wanted to honor God. It was not done to honor God. But no, they obligated God to act for them and to bless them. You know, it becomes very transactional. Right? I do this, I do this, I do this. Then God, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And I think that many times we also fall into that motion. And, but then God did not answer them, did not reply to them. They think that they can manipulate God by doing spiritual acts. And God have no choice. God have no choice. They cornered God, but to re reply to them, they did not have the right attitude and the premise to approach God. Now there is an event in uh, 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 7. Uh, this one that we know, and it says that God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, just now Pastor Donnie prayed before our offering that God loves a cheerful giver, that we will give cheerfully. And the lesson here is we give to God without any mo uh, 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 motive for return. We, go, we give because He first gave us. Not that we give first. We have nothing good to give to God, but God gave us His best. And in return, in honor of God, we give it back to Him. We give because we want to thank God, we want to honor God, we are really appreciative of God, and so we give as an offering to the Lord. And in fact, there is nothing more than we can give that He has not given us. We can never outgive God. Alright? And so when we give, we don't expect any return. How much can we give that we can really expect God to return to us? 
Uh, nothing much, right? He has given us the best. Is there anything better than Jesus that you can give back to God? No way. We have to pray during the offering time that it is an honour for us to give to God and we want to bless Him. We want to bless Him by giving it back to Him. And so our prayer should be different now. Our prayer when we give to God is to say that here is a blessing, Lord, I give to you in honour of you. And not to say that I give you so that you can return back to me. And that becomes very transactional. That is why God was not answering what they expect Him to do. Okay? Worship was not asking anything back in return. Giving was not to ask any big, anything back in return. Now, many of us would think that uh, we can do what they did. Okay, what they have done. They fasted, they wear sackcloth, they put ashes. If today you do this, we would think that this will be pleasing to God. And God will bless us in return. Right? Yeah. They go through the motions. Alright? They show people, they go through the motion. They show people the difficulty that they go through. Okay? Motive may not be seen because it's something really invisible. It cannot be seen by others, but God is not fooled. God is never fooled. And God sees the heart. He saw their hypocrisy. He was not impressed at all. He was not impressed and neither answers their prayer or neither uh, get uh, trapped by them to answer their request. Now, spirituality is more than an act, but true worship as Jesus taught the Samaritan woman. What is true worship? True worship is in spirit and in truth. There is no pretense in true worship. There is no transaction in true worship. There is no truth in the things that they did, in the plan that they did. There was no truthfulness at all. They were trying to trap and to obligate God. They did so with a lot of pretenses, a lot of covering up. Maybe, maybe I think that maybe to impress their neighbours and the leaders, the religious leaders, that they are going through all these things. But in the, God, in the end, God was not pleased with them either. And God tells the prophet to address these people. Okay, the first two verses. God tells the prophet to address these people. And I want us to be very careful since Jesus has warned us about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Alright? We need to be very careful. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, Jesus warned His disciples to be careful about the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay? They were wrong teachings. Alright? They were wrong teachings. And we don't practice spirituality for others to see or to admire us or even hopefully to give us some respect. And we don't do spirituality like that. We practice our faith as God requires us to do. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Not a performance. Not for sure. Not for something to see, for people to see. You know, at the moment when we do it as a performance, 
we lost true worship. We lost our connection with God. This principle can apply throughout the whole spectrum of ministry as well. Maybe not just on the worship team, maybe not just on the, the, the offering, but in every aspect of our ministry, where we start to do things as a performance, as a show to people, we lost the essence of worship. Think about this. Think about this. We practice spiritual discipline because of our devotion to God and not for any other reason. So we have to stay away from false worship. Now many times we have to, when we come together to do ministry, to do certain things, we really have to ask ourselves honestly the question, why are we doing all this? Is there a basis that we are doing it? Who are we doing it for? Check ourselves so that our doing would really be something that is honourable to God. That is more than just doing. The insight must be right first. The motive must be right first. The desire must be right first. Then we start to be involved. So this will make us and ensure that we stay away from false worship. There are many other things that we do in church or we do in ministry. We need to really put that in order so that what we do becomes an honour to God. So that was the first point. All right, Real renewal and how God would have it is that we stay away from false worship. And secondly, all right, the real renewal and how God would have it is the essence of true worship. Now God replied. God replied to this. All right, let's look at these verses. Okay, the essence of worship as demanded by God is found in the three passages in the same chapter here. You'll find this from verse uh, 3D to verse 7. And then another passage from 10b to 10a, the 9b to 10a, and then in verse 13. For simplicity's sake, I just call these passages as instruction. There are three sets of instruction that God has given. And these are God's response and clarification to the people complaining about His uh, silence. Okay, let's look at from 3d to verse 7. Okay, that means four verses. So in this part, it started by saying that the fasting they did as an act of self-abasement and humility was to impress and ensure that God will notice them. So they did it to catch the attention of God, that God would notice them. To me, it was like a spiritual act that they did to impress others and to twist God's arm for their favour. For their favor. So God says that this is a kind of a selfishness, self-centeredness. They may have done them in elaborate ways and outwardly shows uh, big showy things, but they did not impress or attract God's notice. God did not notice, uh, did not need to be noticed by this kind of a things that they do. 
their self-abasement, huh? their fasting, and even they are putting on a sackcloth, I would say that they already had their reward from the people, but not from God. When people start to give them praise and awe and admiration for the process that they are going through, they have already got their reward, but it was not from God Himself. So subsequently, their interaction with others did not portray any humanity. They continued to discriminate their workers, those that are working for them. They envy and they compete with each other in violent ways. Scripture says that they enter into fist fights. They put on false humility and did showy acts of repentance. Showy acts of repentance. What God required was to practice justice, compassion, kindness, liberty, generosity, mercy, and benevolence. These were absent from their life and show no spirituality at all. Desiring one thing, and yet there was no backup to show. The second passage was from 9b uh, to 10a. Right? Two verses here. What is to simplify it is that God wanted liberty, truthfulness in the things they do, and meet critical needs. Really meet critical needs. These they did not do. This is what James says, faith without work is dead. You tend to be very spiritual, but there are things that are so critical that you do not meet. Things that are so outwardly that needed attention, but you are not there. You are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly use. Simply to say, they did not do it. And so James says that this kind of uh, spirituality, this kind of uh, doing is dead. What good is spirituality if there is no good that flows from it? This is hypocrisy on their part. This is not the essence of true worship. And in verse 13, the third section, God wanted them to honour the Holy Sabbath and stay away from self-indulgences. You know, when you, when you come to the Sabbath, you're supposed to rest. You're not supposed to work. But these people do not observe the Sabbath because they take the Sabbath to do some other personal things, personal agenda. So to honour the Sabbath is to honour God and respect men. That men needed the rest. All of them needed the rest. Right? The simple command was not practised and how can they ever impress God? The law of God that was given to them was broken. And how are they going to impress God? You know, when one thing is wrong, don't expect everything can be right. You have to meet the minimum requirement at least before God will consider you and your request. And these people, 
did not do what is required. And so, they come into this situation. Now, there are many spiritual acts that were done that were of no importance to God. No importance to God. Such were carried out with the motive to show being pious, show being spiritual, show being uh, religious, and to gain reputation. Right? These are all false things. The people wanted to trap God, trap God so that He has no choice but to bless them. You know, believers may go through elaborate activities in spirituality to do those spiritual acts, but God judged the intent of the heart. God judged the intention that is within us. This will carry out in the flesh to benefit the flesh, but it has no spiritual value. There are no spiritual value. You know, in G in Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, stated that there is, there is benefit for the left hand not to know the, what the right hand gives to others. Okay? It's not possible, right? Surely your left hand will know what the right hand gives. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, Jesus thought about that there is benefit that when you give, you give without blowing your trumpet. You give without making big show about it. Alright? Yeah. Such acts were done in pure motive and sincerity. Nothing not going to boast about it without the need for worldwide attention. When they were done in incognito, God will reward and speak well of them. Nobody knows, right? Incognito. And it will be considered as faithful and generous steward. And there is another problem as well. They did not act in mercy, compassion, and kindness. Those that do not do this will not be in God's favour. Good works done from the heart don't need to be trumpeted since God already knows. Since God already knows. And I believe that when our spiritual being is constantly full of the Holy Spirit, when we are constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit, what comes out will be acceptable. When we act according to the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit, what comes out in our doing will be acceptable. Jesus taught on what causes uncleanness is not the food that goes inside the body, but what comes out from the heart. That is the qualifying thing that to, to, to judge whether a person is clean or unclean. It's what comes out from the heart. Not what you put in. The Pharisees and the Sadducees have lots of acts and lots of laws about what you can put in, what is clean and what is unclean. What is, uh, in our local term, halal and what is not halal. But what is from the heart that comes out, that determines it. Therefore, when the inside is clean and good, naturally what comes out in acts will be acceptable to God. We need to clean the inside first. Clean the inside first. 
Don't be the, 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 the what, what Jesus called the Pharisee whitewashed tombs, you know. On the outside is a tomb, uh, the, thing, the, the thing that is showing is a tomb, but it's all nicely painted. But inside are dead men's bones. And what Jesus is replying is, clean the inside, so that what comes out will be acceptable to God. A good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree will bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Alright? We cannot mock God and get away as winner. Cannot mock God and get away with winner, as a winner. God holds everyone accountable to invest the inclination of his heart to holiness and the benefits of others. It's more than just being by yourself holy. You need to manifest that holiness as well in the things that you do. Alright? You might as well go and live in an island without any other person around. And that will benefit nobody as well. Ask ourselves what God wants us to do. What God wants us to do good this week as we have cleansed our insight. And I say to you, go and do likewise and stop giving excuses for not doing. So this is the essence of true worship. Okay? God answers in three parts to these people. And lastly, what is the real re uh, renewal and how God would have it is how renewal looks like. How does it look like? And in this chapter, it was also recorded to us that God gave us three sections of how renewal looks like. These are descriptions from God to the people. Okay, another three sections. And these are found in verse 8 to verse 9, first section. Second section in verse 10b to verse 14. And then finally in verse 14 itself, the last verse. The word, you can find it when you read that passage, the word then, T-H-E-N. That is the beginning. It is at the beginning of this three portion indicate to us, alright, the state of renewal. These are promises to those who seek God with sincere hearts. And let's look at verse 8 and verse 9, the first renewal section. Okay, Here it indicates to us the restoration of close bonding with the Father. How do I know that you have a renewal? And how can I show that I have renewal? And this is the first sign, the close bonding with God the Father. God is no longer alienated from us. No longer alienated even from the people who have thirsted and hunger for Him. They found Him. The brokenness and disconnectedness or the brokenness that the that the, the, the severe of the line has been reconnected, has been restored now. And then they are reconnected with God. The man will receive salvation and God will be their protector from then onwards. God will protect them and no one will be able to pluck them out from His loving hands. They stay there in the hands of God always. The second section 
of how renewal looks like. It's in verse 10b to verse 12. Two verses here. There will be no more uncertainty and God will bring understanding and guidance. There will be no more grouping in the dark. Okay, No longer the people will group in the dark, but they will see the truth of God and, will be, and God himself will be their illuminator and they will be able to see where they are going. And they will lack nothing for God will provide to meet their thirst. Even in the most adverse situation, God will be there to meet their thirst. They will be like the well, uh, 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 they say that uh, they will be like the tender shoot of spring with all its potential for spiritual growth. They even rise to new heights, new heights of reputation and prestige as they carry out the works of God. It is something that is become very evident. Something very pleasant that when people look at them, there is some specialty, there's some holiness, there's some uh, 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 showing off of the godliness in them. And the third section in verse 14, the Lord himself will be their delight and the promises will be fulfilled. What they have lost due to their self-centeredness and their sin will be restored. The promise of God to Abraham, God promised to Abraham, I am your very great reward. God told Abraham, I am your very great reward. And that will be fulfilled. That will take place. And that no one will ever need to be excluded. And, and no one will take that inheritance away from them as well. Do not be just, these people, do not, they are just very theoretically that they are Abraham's uh, 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 children. But they have actually no, no connectedness to the promise of Abraham. But now, in verse 14, when they return back to God, in true worship, they find that their promise being fulfilled. The renewal is going to be an enjoyable and a blessed time. Definitely enjoyable and blessed time. It will be a state of bliss. And I don't really have the words to share and, and ex, uh, explain or to describe it. But I can give you some foretaste of it. Uh, it will be a real blessedness that the people seek but they did not find. But only coming from God that they can have it. It will be a time of answered prayer and blessings beyond comparison. Okay? What the scripture says that God is able to do beyond what we can even ask or imagine. That is the blessedness of the time. This is abundant life that Jesus talked about. It will be like the joy of the shepherd who left the 99 sheep in search for the lost sheep. And when he found it, he carried it on his shoulder and there was great rejoicing. It will be like that kind of a joy. It will be something like the widow that swept her house again and again until she looked for that lost coin. She had nine silver coins, but there is one more that was lost. And it will, be the, it will be the event that when she found it, she called her neighbors to come to celebrate together because she found the ten lost coins. 
And it will be like the father of the prodigal son that when he saw the son coming back, that was great that he called for the slaughtering of the fattened calf and called for the celebration. It will be a time like this. Celebration. There will be even great and great joy and celebration in heaven itself when there will renewal that is taking place in our own life. Our renewal resolved the root problem of practicing spiritual discipline for selfish gains and for wrong motive. But when it's done in sincerity and in truth, God reached down to us with His truth and satisfying blessing. You and I are ripe for renewal. We need renewal again and again and may and may God bless you beyond measures when we are renewed. So in concluding here, man can fool man, but cannot fool God because God sees through us. Nothing can be hidden that he does not know. Nothing can be hidden from God. We cannot pretend and we cannot hide from God as well. We can fool others by, speak, by saying spiritual words and even doing spiritual things, spiritual acts. But God sees and God knows the intent of the heart. When the intentions are right, He honors. But the intentions are selfish, He is not impressed. He always honors those who turn to Him in sincerity and with honest heart. And He respected people like that. People who are true to their faith. So we need to start to look at our hearts and our character in order that the words and the things we do become acceptable to God. We should say, like what the psalmist, the psalmist says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalms 19 and verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. It has to happen from the inside out and not the outside in. We have to develop the inner spirituality so that what we do outside will be good and acceptable. Don't be that power bank that looks good on the outside but underperform. A change, a tune-up heart and character would really always lead to true worship. And we can change when we return to God with sincere repentance and a contrite heart. We can change when we do that. The way God will not reject, this way God will not reject, but will warmly welcome every one of us. Remember that the spiritual disciplines are not for show, but to be done in deep devotions. This is real renewal, real renewal, and how God would have it. We have all to gain 
when we, need, when we renew our spirituality. 